We are going to energize the country. We need to wake up and smell the coffee. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Another future is possible, but we've got to fight for it. Order! Hello and welcome to the Debated Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Will. And in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Farah London, uh, who is an independent candidate uh, for the London mayoral election, which is occurring next year. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So the first question that I'd like to ask is, what made you decide uh, to stand as an independent candidate for uh, the mayor of London position? Let's be honest, London, we have been let down. Londoners, we're all disappointed. In recent years, with the successive mayors, they've failed to tackle our city's long-standing challenges. Housing hasn't been tackled, knife crime. We're, we're unhappy. And now with the latest COVID-19 situation, we need a mayor that has the skills and ability to lead us forward. Not only do I obviously offer a lot of experience, but I've been running, you know, my own businesses and entrepreneurs over 22 years. I've been creating jobs. I've been mentoring the youth. I've been helping to fight knife crime and dealing a lot with the homeless community. So my commercial experience far exceeds that of the my opponents. So we are at a position where we need the right mayor that is going to do good for the people of the city. Um, now, I know that, uh, and you've said this yourself on um, social media, uh, that you used to be a member of the Conservative Party um, and you campaigned for uh, the Conservatives in the uh, last general election. Between then and now, where do you think the Conservatives have gone wrong? Where haven't they gone wrong? It's really disappointing. I did definitely support them during the general election, but would I support them now? Absolutely not. It's been shocking just watching how COVID's been handled. We, From the beginning, just looking at why the airports were still open, why were flights still being allowed, people arriving from China in March and April and not being checked at the airport? So I really do feel let down by the government, and especially more recently, they, we didn't, you know, get rid of uh, they didn't get rid of Dominic Cummings, and then the decision about hiring the former Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott—it's absolutely shocking because that is not what our values are. We we do not need a man that speaks badly against women and an obviously LGBT community. But they said, and I'll, I'll quote actually Matt Hancock said on Sky News, but he's good at trade. That's not acceptable. Um, now, uh, part of your uh, your vision, your um, the platform that you're standing on, is um, ensuring that uh, London doesn't suffer as much knife crime as it has uh, been doing recently. Um, ju- just just briefly, what are your uh, main um, uh, concerns with the way that the previous mayors have handled knife crime in London? They've handled it like any politician would handle it, that they've been at the top. They actually haven't gone to the grassroots to see what's going on. I have actually been campaigning about my crime at the grassroots. I have personally gone to some of the worst housing estates in London, knocking on doors, collecting knives. I've spoken to gang members. I understand why we have the problems. Now, if the mayor actually took the time to go and talk to the people it's affecting, talk to the families, talk to the community, they will understand why we're at such a problem with knife crime. Youth aren't being invested in. I certainly get into these gangs, they get groomed because they feel they have no worth. 
But when you actually sit down and talk to them and ask them what's their ambition, one wanted to be a footballer, one wanted to be a singer, one wanted to be an architect, but the city wasn't giving them the opportunities. So therefore they got groomed and now they're knife crime. So it's called postcode war. And the postcode war is where you've got rival gangs who are at odds with each other. And the youngers are the ones who are going around stabbing each other. If we could actually, if we could make the Taliban sign a peace treaty, why can't we get the gangs of London to do one? And we need a mayor that can actually get in there and do what is right. And another problem is the current mayor has divided community and the police. They're working separately. And I, as the mayor, want to actually bring them together, get the communities and police working together again so we can actually tackle these problems that, you know, the current mayor has caused. Um, Now, uh, also part of your uh, means of tackling knife uh, crime is a a pledge to get 6,000 more officers and special constables on the beat. How would you do that? Definitely we need to recruitment drive. I think uh, it's been shocking seeing how the police have been treated in in, in the last few months. And I stand by my police. I think our officers, day in, day out, they get up, regardless of the abuse they get. If you go to any office worker and you told them, you know, if they were getting abused daily, spat at, uh, all sorts of abuse, you know, that that would cause severe mental anxiety to anyone. But they get up, regardless, every day, and they get back to work. So I I think we need to support our police. We need to show our police we stand by them. I I want to definitely offer initiatives to actually, you know, help encourage our police, bring more police recruitment drive. And, you know, getting them on the beat. One thing in COVID, I I was out every day in COVID volunteering, um, helping with the homeless community. And I saw a lot more police around. And that gave me a sense of comfort. And I think that's what our communities need to see. And I want to see a lot more special constables. Special constables come from the community. They volunteer their time. They're instrumental to the police force. So I think we need to definitely do a big recruitment drive for specials so we can actually work collectively together. Do you think that um, some of the uh, requirements uh, to become a member of the police uh, that have changed in recent years may have put some people off? I know that uh, recently, the um, well, not that recently, but uh, relatively recently, the government introduced... Uh, a, um, a a means by which people uh, had to become police officers that they had to uh, have a degree uh, first. Do you think that that's something that has stopped people from joining the police, or do you think that it's uh, a, a positive thing to encourage police officers to have a, a degree? So they've they've done they've offered some fast track routes if you want to become a detective, and that's mm. where you probably need a degree. Um, so those obviously good initiatives. However. I do feel if someone wants to represent their city and fight crime, we shouldn't put obstacles before them because that takes a special kind of person, a hero. A hero does that when they say, actually, I want to get out there and do something, right? So definitely not. I don't want to put obstacles. If someone wants to help our city, wants to help fight crime, get the bad guys, we want to welcome you, we want to train you, and we want to empower you so you can be the best that you can be. Um, you've also uh, said that you um, want to uh, include uh, private medical care for police officers. Um, how much would that cost? That would cost under um, 200 million. And I'll tell you why I want to do that. 
The most important thing for a police officer is mental and physical health. Now, I think NHS is great for emergencies, but you probably have gone for it. I know I've gone for it. So many people have gone for it. The moment you need to get referral care and you go to your GP, you can end up waiting up to seven to nine months till you actually get to a specialist. Now, our police officers lead a very demanding job and their physical health needs to be treated immediately. So if, for example, you have an officer that's having severe back pain, they need an MRI. Now, is it acceptable where they still have to get go to work, maybe even get dressed up in riot gear, but they're not getting treated immediately because that problem can get worse and that actually will end up costing the NHS worse if that police officer was not seen and now they need an operation. So yes, I 100% want to give our officers private medical care because quite frankly, they deserve it. Um, if, if you are elected mayor and this is something obviously you want to implement, how would you go about arranging the private medical care? Would it be on an individual basis uh, per police officer, you know, the, helping them get it from a particular company that perhaps suited them? Or would you be looking at working with a group of uh, private medical care producers? How would you go about doing that? 100%. We'd go to tender. We would obviously put it out for tender and see which, you know, the best options come back. Right now we have, you know, just over 21,000 police. So it, it's really working with the right company that's going to give the right deal. And, you know, we have, we, you know, we're very fortunate. We have great medical, private medical companies in, in the city. So I'm sure, you know, we could definitely get some good deals, really good deals for them, which has extensive coverage. And it should definitely include mental health as well, because as you know, a police officer definitely does go through a lot. They see a lot. Some of them, you know, they hold people who die in their arms and for any normal person, but that would actually take a lot out of you. So we do need to make sure our officers have full access to the mental and physical health available to them. Um, now, one of your other commitments is to um, giving London a, a world-class uh, public transport system. And on day one, uh, you say you will reduce congestion charge to £12 and it will only cover five days a week. What impact do you think that that would have on, on people living in London? I want to intelligent do let's look at the impact it's having right now seven days a week it's horrendous and and the time is extended as well it's not logical we're a bustling city we're in London this is not any small sleepy village we need to keep moving we're on the go you know we have deliveries we have all sorts of people that need to come and get into London and businesses which are depending on those people to get to deliver and do all sorts of things in London. So yes, we do need to make it logical that it can work and our city can operate and function. So that's why I really stand by it changing, but also I'll take it one step further. I'll introduce special short stay tariffs and those will actually keep it out of off peak times. If someone just literally needs to pop in and out then they have the ability to do that. Now, I know people, if they pay £12, they say, well, I'm going to spend the day in London now because I've spent £12. But if you're offering a short stay, they will pop in and out. So I think you'll actually get our city moving more efficiently. Do you worry that that might um, reduce uh, the amount of spending power that the uh, mayoral office has if you reduce the congestion charge? 
I love that you asked that question because our current mayor has overspent on so many departments and overspent, you know, and things that don't even make sense. So, for example, personality tests, 10 million pounds on personality tests. And let's let's talk about his own personal PR. He's used taxpayers' money for his own personal PR, over 13 million. Now, I'm sorry, but if you're a mayor and you're doing a good job, you do not need PR because your efforts will speak for themselves. So I feel we're going to save a lot of money from these overspends that he's done, including hiring his family and friends into City Hall. So we, we can actually bring a lot of money back in and spend it where it needs to be spent. And that will compensate. So given that you, you say that about PR, if you were elected, would you not have any uh, public relation people employed in your office? To represent the City of London, not to represent myself. Absolutely not. I, I, and I will stand by that. If I have a PR company that's representing myself as mayor, that's unacceptable and I want to be held accountable. Um, now, one of the other uh, issues that has been very much at the uh, forefront of uh, issues in, in London related to transport have been black cabs. And you have said, you know, quite unequivocally uh, that you support uh, black cabs and you want to introduce a 20 year license. Now, uh, could you explain what, what you mean by that? I have been using black cabs myself for over 26 years. I think they're absolutely brilliant. They're iconic. They have been there since the 18th century and they are really, they're an icon of London. You know, people come from all over the world, they want to get in a black cab. They have been treated so unfairly. In fact, they're being pushed out of their trade. It really upsets me when I talk to black cab drivers and they have to give up and they say they're leaving the trade. They've spent so many years doing the knowledge. You will not get that same experience anywhere in the world. So yes, I will stand by them, especially during covid it was shocking. The mayor's office and the government, they're promoting cycle, walk, use the public transport. But what about the black taxis? They were safe. They've got the special protectors. There was a good two metre distance, but we didn't use to promote them. And for me, I'm going to stand by them. And the 20 years, 100%. This is obviously for the new electric cars. Now, if it's passing its test year on year and it's not um, exceeding the emissions and things. So yes, there's no reason why it shouldn't be on the road. You know, it's so unfair that the mayor said, okay, I'm going to give you a grant for you to buy, £5,000 grant for you to buy a black cab. But then guess what? The price got raised by £5,000. That's not acceptable. If we're going to actually, I know lots of black cab drivers, they actually do want to go electric, but they can't afford it because the grants aren't sufficient. So we need to put something that will work for them, get them onto the electric ones and then you know we'll see our city transform and help the trade um, now you mentioned electric cars there um what do you think is the um uh, best way to encourage people uh, to use more electric cars do you think that uh, you'd have to uh, produce more charging stops around london do you think that there are enough uh, charging points for electric cars Absolutely not. There's not. And it, it's like we're telling people to go green, but then we're not giving, we don't have the infrastructure. We need to see more charging points, not only in London, but in Greater London. They're non-existent even there. And 
that's something that I would firstly definitely do, put the infrastructure in, and I would speak with the car manufacturers. Electric cars are too expensive for people. So we need to find a way that it's affordable. And then if people, for example, have bought car loans and they're obviously stuck with their car for a number of years, we need to speak with the loan companies that we can make a transition, do a part exchange so they can actually use that same policy but use it for an electric car. So definitely, there's many things we can do. We're, we're Londoners. We don't want someone to shove it down our throat. But if you offer the infrastructure, if you offer the benefits, people will naturally want to do it themselves. How do you think that um, there are other ways that you could encourage people uh, to be greener? Because I know that uh, as part of your um, your pledges, your manifesto, that you're encouraging people to be uh, greener and support the environment more. Uh, how do you think everyday Londoners can can do more to support the environment? Do you know what I think? What one of the things um, is, I have a special ten year plan, and it's it's an environmental drive. And that is for us to give training to individuals like yourself, me, friends that we know. They want to help the environment, but we're not giving them the resources how to. So let's train them. Let's train them on on cleaning up the, the Thames. Let's train them on cleaning up local parks. And, you know, restoring um, plant life and all these things that people can do. Let's give them proper training. So then on their weekends or on the evenings, they could actually go and help their local communities because you've empowered them. We need to empower people to help. So instead of protesting in the streets, like what we see in Extinction Rebellion, think of those thousands of people actually going out in their local communities and actually making change. And that's what I want to see. I want to be a mayor actually impacts change and empowers people um now of course we've seen um coronavirus sweeping across uh, the country and there are new restrictions uh, that are set to come in uh, to london do you think uh, that the current mayor uh, sadiq khan has dealt with coronavirus well Absolutely not. You know, he, he's been shouting for, for many weeks now, let's just go full lockdown for lockdown. And he doesn't understand the consequences of that. The thousands of people being affected already lost their job. And, you know, with a full lockdown, thousands more that will lose their job. Furloughs coming to an end soon. We're going to see millions of people out of the job. So I, I definitely don't agree how he's handled it. I don't think he knows what he's doing, frankly. I think his last four and a half years has proved he doesn't know what he's doing because he hasn't given any credible plans. He, he just speaks out, but he doesn't understand consequences. People are suffering. And we've just started getting back to a momentum where people were getting back to work and getting feeling safe again. And then we're putting them into pressure to get scared again. Where the government said... Offices shouldn't return back to work till March next year unless they have to. That, that was that was one of the biggest mistakes made because we need businesses to drive our economy. But right now we're sending them all to bankruptcy. The high street shops, it saddens me. I walk around all over the city and so many shops have, have closed down or they just remain closed. The ones which are open don't have a footfall anymore. So, you know, definitely I don't agree with a full lockdown. I think people are intelligent enough. Londoners especially what I've seen at work. I, I'm, a, I'm a businesswoman. I, I come to the office every day. We're very intelligent. We wear masks. We wear hand sanitizers. So we understand how to work within our environment with other people. So I don't feel that we should shut down everything. 
would you approve then of a uh, suggestion that some uh, MPs have made that there be a uh, borough by borough restrictions of uh, places where are particularly affected by coronavirus in London? I, for me, I want to protect hospitality. Today, I don't know if you know, um, in Parliament Square, they, there was a protest, the hospitality sector got together to, you know, open protest because, you know, they're scared of losing their jobs. So I think we do need to intelligently do it. But does it make sense doing it borough by borough? People live in a borough, but they work in another borough. So how would that work? Mm. Um, so I don't think with how London is, that could work because people need to get around all over the city we obviously maybe people have to start wearing masks at work and we need to introduce more measures like that. But I, I definitely don't feel borough by borough is going to work. Not, not in London. Um, now, of course, in uh, less than 20 days, we'll be seeing the uh, US uh, presidential election. And of course, Sadiq Khan has had um, qu- quite a few uh, contratons with um, Donald Trump during uh, their respective times in office. If you were elected um, Mayor of London, what would you see the role of the Mayor of London on, on, on the world stage to be? As Mayor of London, I want to introduce city to city special trade delegations. And for me, it doesn't matter who's elected, but I want to work with whoever's elected. I want to make sure that we can drive international trade into our city, inward investment increase foreign direct investment and that's so important to work with cities all over the world so the us is is a very important trading partner and i really feel they could benefit a lot of companies especially startups we need to help empower our startups within london and help them to get that platform to start exporting their business and and bringing back in so as mayor for me city to city i really want to focus on working with cities all over the world especially the commonwealth countries but definitely us is a very important market for us um of course at the end of the year we'll also uh, be seeing whether through a trade deal or not um brexit really coming into effect what impact do you think uh, a no deal brexit would have on london the, the, you know, the truth's out there. If, if we don't do it, it, it is not going to be favourable for us. So I think our government needs to make sure they have a deal. They're capable of doing it. And I think they need to put all personalities aside and just do a deal because that's what's right for the people. It's right for the nation and it's right for our city. Uh, we're coming towards the end of the podcast. It's been uh, great uh, speaking to you. And I've got one uh, final uh, question. Oh. Now, of course, uh, as I mentioned earlier, coronavirus has impacted all of our lives. And because of uh, restrictions, we haven't been able to do certain things that we were able to do uh, beforehand. So uh, my question to you is, what one thing that you haven't been able to do because of the restrictions are you most looking forward to being able to do again once everything is uh, resolved? For me, that's such an easy answer. My father, he he was um, put as one of the highly vulnerable individuals. He's over 90, absolutely amazing man. Um, he has lung disease, so he's very highly vulnerable. I would just love to hug him and kiss him. I'm very cautious every time I go see him. I make sure I have gloves on, uh, masks if necessary, but I would just love to hug my father. Uh, he's had a very hard year with his health. Um, and it's been very difficult on him, and I would just love to give him a hug. Uh, he said something very sweet to me last week. He said, Farah, you know, once I'm better and I'm allowed out of bed, 
can I, can I go, can, can I go put leaflets out indoors? And I said, only if I can come with you, dad. He said, okay, we can go together. So I look forward to hugging my dad. Well, I think that's a, a great answer. And I hope that you will be able uh, to do that soon. If people want to find out more about your campaign, uh, where should they go? You can definitely go to our website, which is votefara.london. And also our social media feeds are all there. If you want to go on Twitter now, you can go to Miss Farah London. Uh, I would love to hear from you. We're actually introducing a series called Farah's Listening, where you can actually have one-to-one Zoom calls with me because I want to listen to people so we can actually improve their lives. So it will be launched on our website tomorrow. So if you want to have a one-to-one Zoom, please um, drop us an email and I look forward to talking to you. Thanks once again for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed it, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbeam and Amazon Music. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Debated Podcast, like us on Facebook, Debated Podcast, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, whether about appearing on an episode of the podcast or commenting on an episode that you've listened to, you can do so at thedebatedpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I hope you listen to the next one. (laughs) 